this year probably is going to be the most conservative decorating year um, that we've ever had. And it's just, uh, uh, normally I have lights everywhere. Um, normally I buy new Christmas stuff every year. And this year, I, you know, I, first year probably I have not bought new Christmas decorations to put up. Um, and that's okay. You know, some years it's okay. We got around and we had several that uh, helped out yesterday and decorated here in the church. And I love uh, I love decorating the church for Christmas. Uh, there's just something about the beauty of it. But one of the reasons that I, I so enjoy and love this season is the, the wonder of the season, the, the um, excitement that is especially uh, exhibited in children um, as they go around and they see the lights. And uh, there is this sparkle, there is this, uh, this excitement in them. Um, about what this uh, this season holds, and and we understand many of them. You know, they're enamored by you know whether it be you know uh, Santa Claus or or Christmas presents or all these things. And the one you know, but there is still in the in the body of Christ as families uh, integrate the reality of this moment of, of the birth of Christ, and and they begin to see the manger scenes that are being set up at different places, and. And they begin to experience truly the, the reason for the season, the birth of a Savior. Um, I remember growing up, um, you know, we had the lights, and, and we had a, even had little manger scenes. Now, I'll be honest with you, growing up and, you know, up until I was 16, I really didn't have a, a real awareness of what the birth of Jesus was all about, because we weren't Christians, you know, and yet, <laughs> we had a big family Bible. How many of you remember those big family Bibles that took up half of a coffee table? You know, we had one of those. And, uh, and we, my mom would put up the manger stuff. And I, I mean, we were not Christians. And yet, we had the awareness that Christmas still was about the birth of Christ. And, and I'm thankful for that. But I'm more thankful now um, that I've experienced... Christ. At 16 years of age, Christ came into my life. He, he awakened me to a level of joy and excitement that I have, had only dreamed of prior. And, and from that moment in my life, I have never wanted to uh, go back. And, and from that moment in my life, Christmas has always held a very significant uh, place for me. And I, and I want to experience it in fullness. And um, uh, I remember, you know, when I was younger, I'd get up and put lights up on the, you know, along the gutters and all these things and everything outside would have lights on it. And that was great. And I loved it. And, and who knows, maybe one day I'll go back to that. Or at least I'll hire someone to get up and put lights on my gutters. So, um, but uh, I just know that there is something about the wonder of this season, the expectation, um, the ability to capture um, some level of excitement. And uh, we as the church should be most excited about this season. <laughs> you know? Um, there are times I wonder what in the world we've lost in the church. Why is it that we have 
fallen away from the wonder of Christmas. I looked up the definition of wonder, and it really presented in two ways. One is a noun, and one is a verb. And as a noun, wonder is defined as a feeling of surprise, mingled with admiration, caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, and inexplicable. As a verb, it is a desire uh, to be curious, to know something. And so I look at both of those meanings, and really they're appropriate for the church. Number one, we as a church should be so excited that we should have this moment of surprise mingled with this admiration of what what God did for us in sending His only Son to the earth to die for us. And this was the beginning of the process. And we should, there should be this, this moment of expectation, not knowing what next will happen. Every time we come to church, there should be this level of expectation that God is going to do something, that he is going to show up in some special way. And I I love worship, and and this was so beautiful, and, and, uh, and yet, it only touches on really what the church's response should be in these moments, and and I'm not trying to dictate that every one of you need to be all mushy and gushy and fall on your face every time one of those songs happens, but maybe, maybe it would be beneficial for us if there was more of a corporate response to the these moments, because I guarantee you this, from what I read in Scripture, that there will be a day when holy, holy, holy is being sung by the, by the, the angels in heaven, and that you will fall down before Him and worship Him like never before. It's going to happen. It is happening to this day in heaven. See, it is not a new experience in heaven. It's already happening. And there will be a day that we get to join them. And what better than to practice today for that which we will participate in on that day? So I want to encourage you to awaken yourself to the wonder of Christmas, to the wonder of Christ. See, Christmas is all about Christ. And And although we may get distracted at times, we have the ability to redirect people as we mingle throughout this world to the reality of Jesus Christ and His coming. Arthur Gordon writes this in A Touch of Wonder. He says, There is not enough darkness in in all the world to put out the light of one candle. This inscription was found on a small new gravestone after a devastating air raid on Britain in World War II. Some thought it must be a famous quotation, but it wasn't. The words were written by a lonely old woman whose pet had been killed by a Nazi bomb. I have always remembered those words, not so much for their poetry and imagery as for the truth they contained. In moments of discouragement, defeat, or even despair, there are always certain things to cling to. Little things, usually. Remembered laughter. The face of a sleeping child. We all know that's a challenge sometimes to get them there, but it's beautiful when it happens. A tree in the wind. In fact, any reminder of something deeply felt or deeply loved. He says, no man is so poor as not to have many of these small candles. When they are lighted, darkness goes away, and a touch of wonder 
remains. See, I I would love to inspire you today to reawaken your imagination to the reality of Christ, to the hope that he brings. One passage that I think I find particularly aware of this thought is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. And uh, we'll have it for you on the screen, but I encourage you, if you have your Bibles, to open them as well. Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to read verses 1 through 7. It says this, Nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warriors and the uniforms bloodstained by war will be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Let's pray. Father, continue to open our eyes to see, our ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to us. May the Word of God be uh, alivened to us in our hearts, Father. May we experience it afresh and new today. We ask for this in your name. Amen. If there was ever a time in our history that the reality of this passage was not more pertinent is now. A gift was given 2,000 years ago, and yet it was prophesied 700 years before he was even born. In the book of Isaiah, 700 years before Christ was born, he prophesied that the child would be born. Isaiah paints a picture of who Christ will be for us. And this, this picture is not all-inclusive. It does not encompass everything that Christ was truly going to represent for us. But it, it, it begins to touch on the surface of the depth of who Christ is. And I believe if we can begin to embrace this passage and some of the truth of this, I think it can help us open our eyes to experience the wonder of, of Christmas again. Today I'd like to focus on a few different points from this passage. I'd like to talk about first off is light. Verse 2 says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. See, Christ came to dispel darkness through the shining of a bright light. Now Isaiah begins to uh, educate us here on the, some, some very important truths that we miss out on at times if we, if we don't uh, look at this. Uh, 
number one, and I think we can relate to this, there are people walking in darkness. And there is a great darkness that fills the land. And I think many of us look today and we think, God, that is still present. What has happened? Jesus was prophesied that he would come and he would, he would be a great light and he would dispel this darkness. And, and 2,000 years later, there's still this great darkness. What is happening? Why is it not going away? And, and, and the thing that I think we don't realize is the ability of Christ to dispel darkness is tied to his presence. Okay? And the ability of Christ to provide light is tied to his presence. And if we want to continue allowing the the presence of Christ to both dispel the darkness and provide light, we, as his followers, need to allow the light to shine within us. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. See, Christ came to fill us with his light. And, and his, although his light is perpetual, it is never-ending, the ability of it to dispel darkness in the land that we live is tied to how much we lift it up. Lift Jesus higher. Lift the, I'm not going to sing it for you. I'm just going to start you there. But, you know, there's an old song that talked about lifting Jesus higher. Letting, letting the world to see this great light. And if darkness seems to be prevailing in the world that we live in, it is not because of the lessening of Christ's power, but his presence because his people are not choosing to allow that light to shine. So if we want the, the, the darkness to be dispelled, if we want people's lives to be illuminated to the truth and the reality of who Jesus Christ is, we are responsible for allowing his light to shine in us. Because when, when we allow that light of Christ to shine in us, it will glorify the Father. It'll direct people there. And so I want to encourage you that if we want to see God's work being continued in this world, He has actually tied it to us because He allows His light to be present in you. Now, He could have, in that one moment, eliminated all darkness because He had the ability But he wanted to work through the lives of men and women to allow the light to shine. You know, when Jesus came, after he had grown to a certain point, he gathered around him 12 people to begin to invest in. And there were other groups that gathered around that he invested in also, but he primarily invested in 12. One of those left. We're familiar with that story of Judas. They added another uh, into the mix, back to getting it back to the, you know, a number of 12. And, uh, you know, numbers are significant in the kingdom of God. There's, you could do a whole study just on numbers and why these are important. Uh, but for de- today, it was, it was really, it's just for us to understand that Jesus gathered these numbers around that they would go out and take the message of Christ, the, the message of God, the Father, to the world. He sent them out. 
and Matthew 28 talks about that we have been sent out, that we have been empowered to go into all the world and make disciples, to, to take the light of Christ into a world and make a difference. And if we want to see the, if we want to see the impact of the light of Christ going out, our lives must make a difference in the world we live. So you have to go out and let the light of Christ shine brighter in you so that the world may know that Jesus is alive. The light of Christ is allowed to continue doing what it was intended to do because we choose to allow Christ to shine. Now, I can honestly tell you that there are individuals that I encounter and I look at them and I thought, man, they had the light of Christ in them. Now, can I be honest with you? Thank you. There are people that I encounter that they don't portray the light of Christ, and later on I find out that they attend church somewhere. <laughs> now, what does that truly reflect if the light of Christ does not shine in our lives, and yet we claim to be a follower of Christ? See, there's an incongruence. If our, if our face does not reflect the image of Christ and the light of His presence, then where does that light truly dwell within us? It is, it is required of us, and we do it every, every time we have communion. There is a time of self-examination that we encourage you to go through before you partake of communion. But the, the process of self-examination shouldn't just happen on the first Sunday of every month. The process of self-examination should happen every day of our lives where we have a time of conversation be with God and say, God, reveal anything within me that would bring um, any level of, of, of dis, you know, dishonor to you, of anything that would in any way speak that I don't love you with my whole heart, all that I am. So I want to encourage you, if the light of Christ is not shining brightly in you, you can change that. In our, in our daily lives, when a light starts dimming, we go around and we uh, change the bulb. The bulb doesn't change itself. We have to do some work in the process. And I will be honest with you, the light in you will not change itself. It only happens by you choosing to change. Choosing to access energy differently. It's your responsibility. The second thing that this passage out of Isaiah reveals is that there is a deliverer. Verse 4 says, For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. Slavery has been an issue in our world since the garden. Now slavery is not to an individual, but to sin. We are slaves to sin. And, and many times we try to direct our energies and efforts towards a person saying, well, you're oppressing me. You're doing this. And really the, the primary area of oppression that we are dealing with that many times goes unaddressed is what internally we do to ourselves. We struggle 
with sin. The Apostle Paul talked about his battle with the flesh, and he says, I have to crucify my flesh every day. Now, if the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest writers, you know, uh, of the scriptures that we know of, writing, you know, uh, over half of the New Testament, if, if someone so significant as the Apostle Paul talked about the need that he had to crucify his flesh every day in order for him to be at a place that God could use, what do you think the reality of what's going on inside of us needs to be? See, every day when we get up, we should establish who is God and who is not. Every day when we get up, we should establish that we are servants of the Most High and that God, your will and your way is first in our lives. You know, is God, yes, I desire to do your will. And then as we go throughout the day, as we have certain things that begin to uh, come upon us to where we have desires that are rising to the surface that are wanting us to give in to something, when it is outside of God's established plan, when it is outside of God's will, we have to say no. See, crucifying the flesh is saying no to those things that would take us away from the things that God has for us. It's like when we are on a diet... And every time you walk by a cupcake, you have to say no. Now, is the cupcake the problem? No. For some some of us, it may be a problem. But the reality is the cupcake is just a cupcake. It's our desire that's the problem. So we have to crucify the desire. And sometimes we've got to do it after we've, you know, we might partake of the cupcake and walk by it again a few minutes later and we knew it was wrong after we ate it the first time, so we go back for round two. Now, the problem is, and and I'm serious about this, there comes a point where we no longer say no to the desire. And that's when we become slaves to the item. See, it's slavery to the desires of our flesh. Our sin, our sin just wants to be pleased. It does. It just wants to be happy. It doesn't, it really doesn't care about anybody else. Now, I know you may think you love your spouse or your children or this, that, but let me, as long as those people, if any time those individuals get in the way of something you desire enough, at some point, you're going to say, listen, <laughs> I want this right now, and you need to leave me alone. And at some point in that whole relationship, that one thing becomes more important than your spouse or your children or anything else. So when Jesus came as a deliverer, Scripture says that he will break the yoke. So the yoke, if, if you're familiar with, you know, how they used to plow fields, there was a yoke that they would put on a on a you know, an animal that would give them the ability to control them. And so when these animals were under this yoke, whoever was leading and guiding had the ability to control wherever they went. And when the deliverer came to break the yoke, he came to set them free from that thing which was trying to control their lives. And Jesus, this is speaking about Christ, that Christ came to deliver us from the yoke of slavery. To break that and to set us free. 
and, and I believe that even though it, is, it was done upon Jesus Christ coming into our lives, every day we have to decide not to be re-yoked again. Because just because you are delivered from something once doesn't mean that you don't have a struggle with other things that come up. Um, I remember before I got saved, I had a terrible mouth. I, I said all kinds of inappropriate things. Now, there was something that happened when I got saved. God took away that day my ability, my desire to cuss. You know, from that day forward at 16, I have never cussed and never wanted to. He took away my desire to smoke. He took away my desire to drink. That day, God delivered me. He broke the yoke of those things in my life. Now, from that point forward, I have found that I put yokes on my life from that point forward in other areas. He may have broke that yoke, but every day I have to choose to keep allowing him to break the yokes of all these other things that want to control my life. It's not a one and done. It is every day we have to come to Christ and say, God, deliver me from these things that want to inflict me. Finally, my my third area here is wonder. Um, the awe-inspiring moment when the announcement of God comes to earth. Verse 6, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In this passage, we have the presentation of who Christ is will be for his people. And, and when you read this and you start understanding, it's not that you, get, that you have to pick and choose that, well, I'm going to have Jesus be my wonderful counselor today and tomorrow we'll have him as... No, he is all of these things all at once and you can, you can actually experience every aspect of who Christ is in your life in one moment now, granted, there's probably more than you can actually experience in a moment. Let's just be honest. There's so much depth in, in who Christ is that we can't fully take in all of it. But I, I want you to understand it's all available to you. He doesn't restrict access by you paying a certain fee. <laughs> you know, that you get to come in at basic cable, but if you want all the, all the extra stuff, you have to pay a little bit more. That's not what God's saying here. God's saying, listen, I am, I am giving you full access uh, to my son, to who he is. When you read throughout scriptures, you realize that Christ is referred to by many other names. But today we're going to deal with just, uh, and as I prepare to close this morning, we're going to deal with just these last, these four names that are focused on here. A on your bulletin there, on your outline, is Wonderful Counselor. Literally, this is wonder of a counselor. And the word wonderful means marvelous, extraordinary, beyond the normal capacity to perform. In other words, the counsel of this God-man transcends human wisdom. He, He doesn't need or want my counsel or anyone else. How many of you have ever 
tried to give God counsel on what would be best in your life. Okay? I do that frequently. God, let me just help you understand how my life would be better if you allowed these things to happen. And we're, and I'm saying that to the wonderful counselor, the, <laughs> the, the one who literally has um, knowledge so marvelous and extraordinary beyond the normal capacity. He already has it. And yet I'm trying to tell him. See, Jesus has come to speak God-driven truth into our world and our lives. God-driven truth. Truth is one of those subjects in our world today that there is a lot of <laughs> fuzziness around. You know, you, you see on, you know, um, Facebook, well, our fact-checkers have said, you know, that this is truth. And yet, that still is tied to an individual's evaluation of whether or not it's true. So you can find truth that is subjective, which means it has the ability to change depending upon the opinion of the person rendering it. But there is also the truth that comes from God that does not change. He, his word doesn't change. Do you realize that? Scripture actually says that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. See, when God gave us the scriptures, he gave us an eternal word that doesn't change. And that is, that is for our benefit because imagine if you were living in a world that the truth of God's word changed from day to day from individual presenting it to individual presenting it. How difficult would that be to truly live a life following Christ? See, I could tell you today because some of you didn't dress like me and you're not growing a beard, you're not living in the truth of God's Word. Now see, if, if it was subjective and I had the ability to render God's truth to whatever I want, then you would all become servants to me to know what the truth is. Now I have no desire for that. But that's the world we live in where we want to control truth. And there are some that say, well, there is no absolute truth, which in and of itself is a statement declaring an absolute thing. So even in their making that statement, they invalidate what they're actually saying. But the truth is there is an absolute truth. It is God's word. It doesn't change. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what someone else's opinion may be. God's word is the final authority. And whether we like it or not, Scripture says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So Jesus, the, the infant that came as a, as a baby for us to experience the Messiah, he is, he is no longer as an infant. He is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. And there is a day that is coming where the, the, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then all those who remain will join Him in the air. And we will declare Jesus Christ as Lord. See, that's a wonderful moment, isn't it? Doesn't, shouldn't that make the wonder of this event so significant that God set all of this in motion by sending a baby? We should worship Him. The wonderful Counselor. He is all-knowing. 
And he has the ability to give us insight into life beyond anything we can imagine if we will seek him as the wonderful counselor. Mighty God, literally this title is the heroic strong God. The heroic strong God. This child is God's son, the second person of the Trinity and possessor of all the power of God. Do you realize that Jesus Christ, when he walked on the earth, literally had all the power of God present and he refrained from exhibiting that strength. We saw that when Jesus was being tempted, you know, um, by Satan up on the mountain and, and Satan was coming at him and Jesus literally had the ability to call legions of angels to his side. Inside of this man was the ability to accomplish everything because he was still part of the Godhead. And yet he withheld that strength, that power, because he had a position to play. He had a role to play. He was still a man, and he had to live his life with the same restraints that you and I had. He had to live his life the way that you and I do, struggling, wrestling with. He cried. He was hurt. He was hungry. All the things that we understand today, that is what Christ had to do. He had to choose to surrender that piece of who he was, and yet it was still part of who he was. The mighty God, the king so powerful that he could absorb all the evil thrown at him until none was left to throw and still defeat the enemy on the cross. And we can be thankful today because that same power dwells within us. See, everlasting Father. Some translate this as Father forever. The child will be a father in the best ways, loving, self-sacrificing, always looking out for our best. Psalm 103.13 says, As the Father has compassion on His children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. I can only uh, talk to you in small amounts of this because I know when someone comes against one of my children, the things that rise up within me to protect them. Not only things, but... situations there are there are definite times where i want to step in and provide a level of protection for my children sometimes from the challenges and trials of the world and yet in those moments i have to step back because i know that god wants them to grow so my compassion says i have to let them experience some of the challenges and trials of life See, and that's where this father forever, it is knowing when to rush in and knowing when to step back. It is knowing when to wrap your arms around them and love them and knowing when to step back and say, you, you, you blew it. <laughs> See, father forever isn't just about warm and cuddly. <laughs> it is about bringing a level of discipline and instruction that allows us to move in a direction for maturity and development to become who God has called us to be. When we begin to mingle this title with the pre, 
two previous ones, you realize that the effective plans of my wonderful counselor will always have my best as the goal and the power to accomplish those plans will always be tempered to carry me along in deep, loving involvement in my life. See, that's the wonderful. That's, there is this wonder moment when you begin to understand the, the meaning of each one of these names that Christ is identified with and how they, he is able to merge them, mingle them together, and be that which we truly need in our lives. Our final piece today is Prince of Peace. He will overmatch all of his enemies. He will conquer the hearts of his people. See, the, the typical strategy of an oppressor, of an enemy, is to beat someone down to a point of submission. They will render them unable to, to fight any longer. They will be physically exhausted, sometimes on the verge of death. And there will be a victor hanging over them because they are reigning in fear. And yet Christ came to win the hearts of men. He came to defeat man, not in a physical way, but in his heart. To bring peace when there is turmoil and conflict and struggle. Scripture says in verse 7 that he will start something that will never stop growing. And he does it all without brute force. See, and that's one of the conflicts that, that really the children of Israel um, experienced is they wanted Jesus to show up as this heavy hand, this deliverer that would truly wipe out the Roman oppressors. <laughs> they were wanting Jesus to come in and kick butt, let's just be honest. They had been beaten up and they had been ridiculed and they had been minimized for so long and they wanted Jesus to come in and just wipe them all out. And Jesus comes riding in on the foal of a donkey in a, in a very mild and meek manner. He comes as an infant. Not in a castle, in a, in a manger, in a... <laughs> in a barn, basically, in a cave, in an area where they were only housing animals, the king of the world comes. And yet, there was some pomp and circumstance. The, the uh, wise men came to worship. <laughs> they didn't need to make a public announcement because God sent God had put signs and people wanted to come and worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Messiah. But I love the reality that Christ came to be peace and to conquer the hearts of His people through a presence. I love how Isaiah saw Jesus. He saw Him as a wonderful counselor who came with wisdom with a perfect plan as the mighty God who will accomplish his purposes the devil threw everything he had at Jesus and couldn't thwart God's plan through Christ 
Jesus came as the everlasting Father who loves us endlessly. And as the Prince of Peace who reconciles us while we are still his enemies. How can we not reawaken the wonder of this season and experience Christ for who he came to be with the understanding of all that Jesus did? I, I can honestly tell you that we have an enemy that would love you to be um, caught up with everything else going on in the world right now and miss out on the possibility of experiencing Christ new every day through the wonder of this season. But it has to be a choice. You have to choose to do it. You have to choose to lift up your eyes to see and experience the freshness of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the wonder of this season, for the wonder of Christmas, for the wonder of Christ, His birth, for the wonderful Counselor. Thank you that you have knowledge beyond my years. For the mighty God that you are able to accomplish all that is set out before you. For the amazing Father forever that you are. Endlessly loving me when I was unlovable. Because your desire was for relationship. Your desire was for redemption. Thank you for the peace that surpasses all understanding, that comes through a, a relationship with you that is something that I must seek every day. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do to continue to make yourself known to me and to this world that we live in. This morning, I don't know where you're, all you're at in your relationship with God. But if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe that is something that today you'd like to take care of. Maybe today you would like the opportunity to make things right with Him. To affirm Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. And if that's you, I'm just going to invite you wherever you're seated at just to lift a hand and say, I just want to, I want to profess Jesus as my Savior. I've not done that, to, you know, and I need to do that. Okay. If at any point that becomes something you, you want to talk about and you maybe just haven't, you're not at a place where you feel like you're able to make that decision today, but you want to, um, you can let you reach out to us at any point. There are numerous individuals here in this church that would love to talk to you about um, the relationship that God wants to have with you. Father, I do. Um, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your, your presence that is with us. Um, 
illuminating the truth of your word and allowing our lives to so brightly shine that we can um, share your presence with those that we come in contact with. I do pray that you would continue to be with our people struggling in the midst of sickness. Help us to support one another, to encourage one another, to lift one another up. And uh, I just thank you for this. I ask your blessing on these things. We ask for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. At this time, uh, we're going to wait upon you for morning tithes and offerings. We will have all of our services back here on Wednesday night, so um, all of our different uh, programs will be going back on, so I invite you to come out and experience those. Um, Willie, what's the name of the series you're doing for the adults again? The Forgotten God. Um, it, is a, it is a great series, um, and uh, you can come out, even if you haven't been to the you know, first couple, you can still come in and pick right up. There's great discussion. Uh, there's also, we have a, a nursery going on for the toddlers, and uh, we have kids' church and youth, and so there's uh, different areas that, you know, make sure everybody's got a place to plug into. Just want to invite you to come out and be part of that. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to give. I pray your blessing on this offering, that it would be multiplied to meet the uh, needs of your kingdom and uh, for this church, and we thank you for all that you're doing. We ask for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, just beware, tomorrow they're talking about some snow. Praise God. We got one person happy for snow. All right. <laughs> so they're talking about possibly anywhere from one to four inches, depending on who you listen to. Now, you know, in Ohio, one to four inches you may mean, you know, they'll have 0.25. So, um, could be a frost. But uh, if any of you ever need us, you know, some support, need us some help in some areas, you know that you can always reach out to the church and we'll do what we can to help you. I want to just bless you. God bless you. Love on one another. And uh, don't forget to reach out to people. If you notice them gone uh, for a Sunday, reach out to them, check on them. Just let them know that you're praying for them. God bless you.